Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Stuttering Springboard. In this episode, we hear from David Walton, a partner in the law firm Fisher Phillips. He, he focuses his practice on labor and employment law. He is a, a litigator and a person who stutters. In this podcast, he will share his journey as a person who stutters through grade school, high school, the college, law school, and being in the courtroom in front of a judge, overcoming obstacles every step of the way. His motto, the obstacle is the way. Okay, welcome to the Stuttering Springboard. My name is Brian Nolan. Uh, the Stuttering Springboard is a podcast series that looks deeply into critical transition periods in the lives of young people who stutter. Our goal is to help remove the barriers to make those transitions successful. What we're talking about here is grade school, moving to middle school, then college and professional life. I am really, really excited today to have a guest on who has broken through many of these barriers. His name is Dave Walton. He's a partner in the law firm Fisher Phillips. Dave focuses his, his practice on trade secrets, re restricted covenants, employment litigation, and he brings sort of deep experience in the labor law. What most fascinates me about Dave and him, him on, on his podcast is that he chose to be a litigator. This is a person who stutters, who chose to break whatever uh, mental barriers those of us who stutter have and be able to get up there and litigate in front of a jury. Dave, welcome to our podcast. Thank so you for having, having me. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor to be here. And thank you for doing all, all, all this work for you know, the people out there who stutter or have family and friends who stutter. This is really important work that you're doing. Well, you know, the truth is, it's part of my journey. <laughs> uh, it's part of doing this is part of my journey of, of, of self-acceptance. I, I was just telling Joe Donahue yesterday, um, I'm really okay being a person who stutters. I, yeah. I've accepted that. I'm actually more than okay. But there's something I still haven't haven't dealt with, which is I'm still not okay stuttering. Like every time I stutter, I still get this, this bit of like, ah, yeah. Um, yeah. And right. And so yeah. that that's, this is the journey that I'm uh, going through here. Um, like even in the introduction, I got, you know, I got stuck on some words Yeah. and I'm like, ah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you notice it more. It's just like what people tell me that I notice it more than they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, your, your, your story is so powerful. I've, I've prepared a lot of questions here for you. Um, can you start by telling us what it's like to be Dave Walton at work? What, what's a typical day look like at work? Drinking from a fire hose, uh, <laughs> not trying to get drowned. Um, it's, a typical day is, you know, fighting the Schuylkill traffic, um, you know, getting into work and, you know, kind of dealing with the overnight emergencies. And then I have like a massive to-do list that I try to organize and try to prioritize. And I'm doing a lot of emails. I'm doing a lot of calls. I'm doing a lot of reading. Um, strategizing on cases you know i'm kind of at the the level of my career where you know i can like run teams you know and i got trial practice a lot of people don't have trial experience and so trying to strategize run the teams um make sure we're doing things to put pressure on the other side because that's what the litigation is it's part of our adversarial system of justice you know, the concept is both sides beat the brains out of each other and the truth arises from that conflict. And so what you got to do as a lawyer is you got to 
embrace that adversarial process and you have to try to beat the other side up you know try to win and so it's a lot of strategizing a lot of um getting ready for depots getting ready for trials i got three trials coming up i'm i'm getting ready for now um you know, trying yeah, to are you going to be on are you going to be on in court where you're yeah giving... i have three trials coming up wow. um, and i'll be in court uh boston chattanooga in philly um and yeah i got another one in san francisco in october and i'll have another one in uh, norfolk probably in the spring but wow uh yeah so there's a lot going on right now really i good. can see that well let let's go way back uh sure. to to your key decision uh should i or shouldn't i go go to law school you know i i, I asked you that first question because when you stutter you probably we look ahead a lot and we look at where, like, what's life going to be like when I'm at work? Am I going to be able to be a professional that makes money? And so you had a decision to go, go to law school. Can you tell us about sort of the mental debate in your head that should I or shouldn't I go to law school? This is, at, this is after college, yeah. of course. Well, it was, I never met a lawyer until I was in college. I'm first generation um, I'm first generation college. My parents had me at 19. They had me very young. Um, you know, they didn't go to college. Um, it's, I was playing baseball. I was doing really well in college baseball. I knew I probably wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. Um, and so I was preparing for grad school. I had like the top grades on the baseball team, which isn't saying much. There was a lot of doofuses I played with, but, um, and I was in a, I was actually a TV radio major at the time, um, huh. up at uh, Ithaca College. I was a communications major. And not that I wanted to go into TV radio, but because that was the top school up at Ithaca. And so it's like a top five school of communications. And so, I was like the only one who liked the communications and law class. And I really liked it. I really liked reading about the cases. I had worked on Congress as an intern previously. And I really didn't like lawyers. You know, I thought they they focused too much on the details. They didn't, you know, they, they focused on, you know, the little quirky words. I mean, I didn't really like them. I mean, I I I, I like big picture strategic thinking. And but as I got into it, I it became interesting and um, I knew I wasn't, you know, I don't have a face for a, a television. I don't necessarily have a voice for radio. Uh, yeah. And so um, I decided to go to grad school. And so but then, but then, a decision. But then a litigator, like a litigator, really? Yeah. It like never you're... crossed my mind to do anything else, you know, really? because it just never crossed my mind. It never, I mean, being a litigator, Standing in front of the judge is the closest thing that I have in my life to re replicate standing in the batter's box. Interesting. You know, it's the closest thing that I have. Huh. So it never occurred. I never wanted to be a corporate lawyer, never wanted to be a tax lawyer. I just, those things have never interested me. It's the heat of the game. Uh, it's the game. It was it's like being in the ring. It's, it's being, in the ring. It's being in the ring. It's like so if you, you, take you that look old, for Teddy that Roosevelt. You know, I have that. You know, I have a framed version of that Teddy Roosevelt quote: "The man in the arena." I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, no, but I'd like to. Yeah, it's a really good quote. It's probably, I think, one of the best things ever written in the human language in in English language. But um, and it's about it's all about putting yourself in the ring, ignoring critics. And at least if you fail, you fail while daring greatly. And you'll never be one of those timid souls who not, not who know neither victory nor defeat. That's the essence of his saying. And so I, I like being in the middle of the, um, I like being in the middle of the fray. Can I, can I tell you how powerful that is to me? Um, and to this podcast when uh, my, 
my biggest fear for people who stutter is that they're on the sidelines. Yes. That well, they're, they're covert just, stutters, just like the, we were talking yeah. about earlier, right? Yeah. I mean, covert stutters pretend to be shy. Covert stutters who don't take risks, don't go into the batter's box, <laughs> um, get into this avoidance, avoidance cycle, yeah. and never never find the true meaning of their purpose. But did you, so when you were in this journey, you did, did you ever have a moment when you said, uh, this may not work? Well, I, first my uh, grandmother, who was really smart and she was like a second mom. You know, she got, was a school nurse for like 30 years. She got her nursing degree during World War II. <clears throat> um, and she actually, is probably technically the first person in our family who went to college. She went to night school for nine years to get her college degree while she was working and raising kids. But she um, she suggested to me I should be a corporate lawyer. And I, and I was just like, no, nah, I don't. Boring. Yeah. You know, you know I, I don't want to do that. But she was suggesting it to me because I stuttered. Right. And it's not that she was being mean, she was trying to protect me. You know, because right around the same time, while I was studying for the LSAT, I tried to get a job at the radio at a radio station. And I took a test. And um, you know, like some intelligence test or something, and I aced it. It was like the guy said it was his of highest score ever. And but then he said because you stutter, I'm not going to hire you. You should be a backroom person. And you shouldn't be in sales. You shouldn't be on the front lines because you're stutter. You shouldn't do this. And I remember my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was waiting for me in the car in the parking lot. And she, she was so angry. She almost went back in the place and told them off and I said you know it, it's okay it's like it, I I never it's not like I've had a chip on my shoulder the rest of my life because of that you know it's just like all right well he's stupid you know like yeah. he doesn't get it you know and so um yeah I think a lot you know so in terms of like setbacks you know the, the first time I really started to think about whether the law would affect my stutter. And this is like when I, my stutter was much more of a challenge in high school, college, and lost my first year of law school than, than it is now. I, I stuttered with, with much greater frequency. And part of it was, you know, in law school, first year of law school is very stressful. You know, I still remember the first day they gave you the speech look to your left, look to your right. And one of you is not going to be here at the end of three years, you know? And so it was my first year and I was doing something called moot court where you do like a fake appellate argument. Um, and I was tired and I guess I stuttered a lot. And we have, you know, a, a person who volunteered to be a judge. It's a really, really nice person. And she's supposed to be an appellate judge. And as I'm talking, she's up there crying. Tears like streaming down her face. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Supposed to make the jury cry, not a judge cry, you know? <laughs> and, and then it kind of hit me. Man, she's crying because I'm stuttering. Wow. She had, she had like, empathy? This is a judge? Yeah, she's a very empathetic person. She was just... And then when she was giving me my um, my um, evaluation, she was very empathetic. Didn't say anything about the stuttering, but it just kind of hit me. Like, oh God, because you know, at the time I stuttered with greater frequency, and I get mad at myself when I would catch myself stuttering. You know, I wasn't at that acceptance stage. Yeah, I know. It's it's yeah. what it's what that's that's the shame. Yeah, that we all and, deal and with like, stutters. Like yeah. And so, like, I felt even embarrassed that she was crying. I felt bad that I made her feel bad, you know. And so, I um, 
um, went to see a professor about it. <clears throat> Still remember his name, Wade Berryhill from South Carolina. He's talking with a real deep Southern draw. And he said, your stutter will actually help you in a jury trial because people will pay more attention to what you're saying. You know, he told me a story about how Clarence Darrow, who was a great, you know, like a great attorney, used to put pipe cleaners in his cigars so that the ash on the cigar would get really long. Okay. And so that the jury would then focus on him and they'd be waiting for that ash to fall off his cigar, <laughs> focusing on him, not on what the other attorney's doing. And so I stuck with it. Um, so that was probably the first time I really thought, man, should I be doing this? And it kind of threw me for a loop for a couple of years because I struggled to say, okay, how do I let other people know this is okay? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, the big thing in law school is you have interviews, on-campus interviews. And a couple of times I tried to like raise it as a positive thing or not as a positive thing, but as a, I tried, you know, to raise it first because I would always stutter in my interviews because I was nervous, you know, nervous, anxious, tired. And it's not like you stutter because you're nervous. It's just, you stutter more, you know, if you're tired and you're going through anxiety. And um, I tried to bring it up a couple of times and lawyers are the worst. They're like, oh, we don't discriminate against anybody. Oh, we would never, we don't care. It's like, I'm not, so it's not, it's not my own. I'm not trying to bring it up to trap you. I'm trying to bring it up so you can feel free to ask me any questions you want to ask me about it. You know, so it, it was a struggle those first few years, you know, kind of. Did, you, did you ever have a, you know, those, those of us who stutter yeah. can all go back and talk about like a, a few nuclear experiences that are just like trauma. Actually, Chris Anderson in his book, Every Waking Moment, he, he talks all about trauma and that every every stuttering experience is actually tr trauma that yeah. sticks with us. And um, but then there's these big, big traumas that are like seismic. And like I, I can I can remember two or three of them where it's like I'm found out. Now everybody knows that I stutter. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Now now what are they thinking about me and the uh, traumas yeah. inside my head? Did you ever have a, a, a trauma experience as a litigator in front of a judge? Or did I've you had times when I stuttered more than I, much more than I usually do, certainly much more than I do now. I don't know if I'd call them trauma. It would be, but it would be, I, you know, I had frequent times when I would stutter and a judge would say, son, it's okay. I was nervous too when uh, I first started out of the yeah. litigating, you know. And you're like, you just, no, he didn't get it, right? Yeah. It. And, then, and then when you say, judge, um, thank you, but I stutter, then they uh, get all flustered. Um, yeah, I've had opposing counsels kind of pull me aside. You know, when you're in court, there's like little jury rooms and conference rooms and pull me aside and said, listen, I used to be really nervous too. And it's okay. It gets better. And, and their heart's in the right place, but you know, they just don't know. Yeah. You know? um, I, I, I think the world doesn't know. I mean, the world yeah. doesn't know what it, what, what stuttering means. And so everybody thinks that if you stutter, you're nervous, you're just a, a nervous. It's like person. a nervous tick. Yeah, it's like a it's a, you're stuttering because you're nervous, you're shy, you're you're not you, when, you're when reality awkward, is you're yeah. socially awkward, you're socially inadequate. Yeah, uh, anybody who knows you or you or I knows that we have very strong personalities. Yes. So anybody's got to know that. Like, and so um, it's the thing that irks me a lot is the misunderstanding of what stuttering is. It's part of what what I want. Yeah, to it's do a perceived weakness. It, it is to perceive weakness. 
um, in some ways. They're, they're, if people don't realize, if people don't realize that you stutter and they hear you stutter, the act of stuttering is perceived as a weakness. But once they find out that you are a stutterer, it flips. And it's like, oh, this must be a strong guy, a strong Isn't person. Isn't that interesting? You know what I mean? Yeah. My and wife, so Agnes, said my wife, Agnes, said that it was one of the things that attracted her to me was mm -hmm. that my ability to like to, to run for class president in graduate school as a person who stuttered and to get up and speak yeah. in front of people like, holy crap. Yeah. This guy's a, got something. See, but most yeah. people don't. Most people don't like that's a, kind of interesting. We should introduce our wives sometimes because. Like I was trying to date my wife for a while and she kept blowing me off. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like she dated quarterbacks, not third baseman, you know? And, <laughs> um, and I remember our first date, I finally got her to go out on a date with me. She was like, cause I, you know, I come up like, because I stuttered more back in college. I didn't talk to a lot of people. You know, and I was a third baseman. I was big, big guy. I was, I was in shape back then. Um, I, I was really good. And so people thought, cause I was quiet, I was cocky. You know, mm -hmm. I was like cocky and arrogant. And um, when I, I'm not like that at all. And um, they, um, so, you know, I kind of use sports as kind of a shield to protect myself from the stutter you know because you have greater social acceptance you know if you're a good athlete but long story short we finally went out on a date and i picked her up after a class and she was angry really angry <laughs> she was mad at her professor because my wife's you know blonde beautiful you know gorgeous um and the professor was they had she had a joint project with a guy and the professor was talking to the guy, like the guy was doing all the work when, when she was actually doing all the work. And so what attracted her to me was, or attracted me to her, I guess, was I was really empathetic and I really uh, listened to her and I really talked her through it. And I think that's, you know, that was, you know, 30 years ago, 20, you know, it was about 30 years ago, 32 years right. ago. Uh, February, it was February 22nd, 1990. So I remember the date. Um, um, and then, um, that was, um, but I, I don't think I'm that much of an empathetic person unless I stutter. Yeah, well, it's, it's partially what makes you who you are. It, yeah. it, it, you, you're the summation of your experiences and understanding the pain that people go through with whatever stuff they have. And yeah. everybody, everybody has stuff. And, and just That's our, our stuff. Well, I, I, I used to see this kid, like I went to a, a Ithaca College upstate New York, cold, rainy, icy. It's a campus that's built into the side of like a mountain, lots of hills. And I used to see this kid who was blind and he'd be walking by himself all the time. And that kid just, I don't know, just seeing that kid just broke my heart because he was alone. He's trying to navigate this, but he was always smiling. He was happy to be there. And I just, I just admired the, uh, the heck out of that kid, you know, um, because, you know, like, like I have a small issue, a stutter. He's got a major issue. You can't see. And he's uh, navigating life with a smile on his face in a very difficult environment. Wow. When, when you were a kid, um, what 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 role did it play like in grade school and middle school? And were you ever teased? Oh yeah. <laughs> now you were a big kid, right? So well, I, I wasn't like I kind of had a late growth spurt. I was kind of like average, you know, like you know, you know, like I'm not like I wasn't lifting a lot of weights like I did the later in life, you know. But I yeah, I was teased a lot. I was. What did you do? Kind of shut down, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was hurt by it. I'm a sensitive guy. I still am sensitive, you know, yeah. in some ways. 
you know. Did you, mean, did you ever see um, Christmas Story, the movie? Yeah, yeah. Where, okay, you know when uh, Ralphie, they're walking in the snow and, you know, you know Scud Farkas? Yeah. So my, my favorite scene, um, almost in any movie, is when uh, he beats the heck out of Scud Farkas. <laughs> Because I, I had an experience in seventh grade, seventh grade that was pretty similar to that. Uh, you know, Kenny, I won't say his last name. Yeah. You know, in uh, chorus, he started teasing me and I jumped, I sort of said some things back and he said, Nolan, meet me after school. And he went out to school. I, I'm trying to make my way to the bus as fast as I can, but there's Kenny and, mm -hmm. uh, and his group of people. Next thing you know, he's circling me. And he's kind of jumping around me like a box and I'm, I'm yeah. just sitting there and he punches me hard in the face and I lost it. And I jumped all over Kenny <laughs> and I was on top of Kenny until the bus driver pulled me off. And Kenny never <laughs> said a word to me again. Now that was seven see, but that's See, but you couldn't do that. And that's exactly what Kenny needed. But you couldn't do that these days, you know? I mean, couldn't do that. You couldn't. I mean, I mean, I didn't necessarily have a situation where I beat people up. I think I got to the point where people didn't mess with, want to mess with me. But when I was younger, I mean, I remember being pulled out of class to go see the speech pathologist. So everybody knew why I was being pulled out. That was always kind of embarrassing. I hated that. Oh, I hate that. Um, uh, my teachers would try to help me. So if they thought I was talking too fast, I remember my fourth grade teacher was, you know, would, would try to look at me like, you know, that, that, that was the sign, you know, to slow down, but that didn't work. Um, back when we were, when you and I were growing up, the Waltons, my last name's Walton, it was a big show. So sure. it was a lot of stuttering John boy. Uh, you know, uh -huh. good, 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 good night, young boy. You know, uh, uh, like quirky pig. Um, yeah, you know, just stupid stuff. You know, everyone gets teased for something being too tall, being too short, being too fat, being too mm -hmm. skinny. It's just something that I got teased about, but it's not something that I mean, that there was one older guy, his name was Jeff, I still remember him. He used to tease me a lot. He was older than me, bigger than me. And my mom told me, well, just fake stutter in his face. Because he used to come he used to come up, hey, Dave, how are you 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 doing? You know. And I would go back, hey, Jeff, I'm okay, you know. And then after a while, he just stopped. Yeah. I like that. I, I, that's called a pattern interrupt. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and that was my mom who was, you know, non-college educated, very smart woman though. That was her just telling me to do that. And so, um, and so that worked. And then as I got older, um, I just kept to myself. I mean, I had like some close friends, but I wasn't like the in crowd or anything. And then yeah. As I got better in sports and got more, um, you know, uh, accolades for baseball, especially. I played football too, but I was a better baseball player. Um, uh, people cared less. Yeah. Um, did, did like in high school? Did it ever stop you from doing anything you yeah, wanted to do? Girls. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I mean. Yeah. It was. I think I had to ask three different girls to the prom before I finally got a yes, you know, mm. you know, but that, you know, maybe that's my looks, not my stuttering, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't do a lot of social stuff. I still, to this day, get uncomfortable in social situations and it's like, I'm good with people. I'm good connecting with people. I still you know, I have a tendency to stutter more when I meet people for the first time. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you know what, what you learn is a lot of people have difficulty in social situations. Yeah. A lot of people have social anxiety of sorts. Am I going to be accepted? And if you stutter, it's like, am I going to be found out? 
are, are they going well, to find yeah, out that I exactly stutter? Well, yeah, right. Especially and, like if you're at like a legal conference, you know. I, and I've had people make, I've had clients who didn't know I stuttered. Like, I there's certain words I have a hard time stuttering, on, like certain sounds, and a client's name began with a K and sometimes I struggle with my case and I would like say her name. It wasn't Kayla, but I'll use Kayla as an example. I would say Kayla. Yeah. Like get stuck on that K. Yeah. And you know, Kayla. And she would say, Oh, can you say my name again? I, I like the way you say it. I mean, I still remember that. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah. And it's like, I, it's like, you know, like what are you going to do? Yeah, um, yeah, but other people, you know, sometimes they assume that if I'm stuttering, that I'm a tipsy, right? You know, and Hmm. so I try not to drink, you know, certainly not a lot. Although the dichotomy is the more I drink, the less I stutter, but um, at least. we think so. Yeah. Or maybe the yeah. less it bothers you. We think you. so. Yeah. Maybe That's the less true. it bothers you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but hey, um, tell me where, so where'd you go to college and what was the, like uh, in terms of springboarding, you were good in, you were good in baseball. You played baseball in high school. Did you play baseball in college? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? Um, Ithaca College, upstate New oh, York. Good school. And, and what, what was the first day like? Well, I transferred there. First, I went to Westchester. And Westchester at the time was a D1 program. Then the guy who recruited me died on the field freshman year. He stripped out at Pace University. Mm-hmm. So they had a new coach came in. So I was redshirted. Then I transferred. Um, during my redshirt year, I worked in Congress on an internship on Capitol Hill. I loved it. Just absolutely loved it. Uh, and then I transferred up to Ithaca because they were D3, but they were D3 national champs. And um, a buddy of mine, who's now the head coach, head baseball coach at St. Joe's University, oh, wow. re- recruited me up there because um, they needed a third baseman. And I had three years of eligibility left. And so I, I transferred up there. Um, do do the you remember you didn't know anybody, right? Yeah, I didn't know anybody. I started in the spring. And so it's not like it's not like you had the normal, the normal where you start your freshman year in the dorms and you get to know people inside and outside of baseball, you, you know, where you start to build your foundation from a living in the dorms. Like I didn't have that. I, I moved right into the baseball house and started to live with five or six different baseball players. Mm. Um, and um, it's, I started in the spring too, but um, that, yeah, I remember my, one of my first nights there, the captain of the baseball team, we, we were in the pub, you know, in the um, school pub drinking. He came up to me. It's like when I, within my first three nights there, and he said, all right, we know you stutter. Um, how far can we tease you? Huh. And because, you know, when you're on a sports team, you tease each other. Now, me, it's sure. like, I don't like to tease people. I'm not the type of person that can have a zinger like right back at you. Because I kind of, when someone teases me, it's still kind of like. Stings. It stings. I hate saying that. I feel like a wimp saying that, but it still, it still stings, you know. And so, I don't like making people feel that way. So I don't typically like to tease people, mm. except if they just know I'm joking. So, um, I just thought it was an interesting way. I told them. I said, you know, I was really surprised by the question. And I said, listen, I'll tease myself. And, you know, but where it becomes starting to become mean, that's when I'll react. Mm. And and you'll know, you know. Um, So if people want to like tease me like a little bit, that's fine, but don't make it mean spirited. Um, Right. 
And there was a time where we were, <laughs> I remember this clearly. Yeah, you know, we were a cocky jocks. We were up in Portland, Maine, getting ready for the regional playoffs, sitting in the vans at the hotel, getting ready to go. And for some reason, I guess to, um, you know, release some anxiety or whatever, um, this guy who was going to pitch, who, was, who then became the uh, head coach at West Point, um, they started to tease me about something about my uh, batting or something. And then I, you know, I said something back to him, which I, I normally don't do. I said something back to him about not being able to throw strikes. And he came back with, well, at least when I talk to coach, I don't go, uh, 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 uh. And next thing I know, I punched him. <laughs> and I just snapped. And I punched him. And I started throwing haymakers. And this is a guy who's going to pitch. He's going to pitch. That He was our uh, the number one pitcher. And I started to throw haymakers. Just started like a pummel the guy. And everyone's grabbing me, pulling me off. The guys in the other van who are behind us see our van going like this. Like, what the hell's going on in the van? It's like the van's walking like crazy, you know? And then they have got us separated. And this guy was a, kind of a tool. And he was like, oh, what do I do? What do I say? And, and they're like, you don't do that. And it was funny because then I had guys who were reaching behind him, like giving me high fives. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he deserved it. <laughs> like he deserved it. Well, I mean, yeah. somehow the, the uh, Scud Farkas's of the world they, they need to be put in place. Uh, we're not yeah. advocating, we, uh, you know, you and I each told a good, a good story about how we, we stuck up for yeah. our, ourselves. For every story about that, I, I could tell another dozen where I didn't. Where I didn't, and you still think about it. <laughs> and I think about, like, still remember high school, yeah. you know, the cafeteria, uh, this guy going, no, 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 Lynn. Yeah. And, like, I mean, it's still, like, it, it went so deep. And I think about how to handle it now. And part of it is because I I spent every waking hour trying to hide the fact that I stuttered. And yeah. which is yeah. which is why I'm 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 spending the second half of, of my life um uh being a proponent of being a PR person of it. <laughs> doing podcasts. Would yeah. you ever think that uh, would you ever think that you and I be doing a podcast together as we like when like, we're young Brian Nolan and young Dave Walton. Are you kidding uh, me? And not in a million years, yeah. not in a million years, but yeah. I think that I would be to look to become a spokesperson. So, you know, young Dave's and young Brian's out there listening to this can maybe choose a path of less shame than maybe you and I had, yeah. you know what I mean? And realize that, um, realize that it, everyone, everyone has stuff and, you know, the thing that I fear most for young people is that they avoid, as I said, they're on the sidelines. So I want to I ask you your thoughts on what's the message you may have for young people who stutter about avoidance. Do you have a message about avoidance? Because, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I spent my childhood avoiding and oh, looking definitely. ahead. What, what message would you have for them, Dave? You got to do the opposite of avoidance. You got to embrace it. I mean, you got to embrace that's who you are. When when my stuttering got better, okay, yeah, I mean, it's a funny. Like some people in the stuttering community call me a fake stutterer now because, like, I don't, you know, because I don't stutter as much as I used to. But <clears throat> when I got out of law school, big firms didn't want to hire me. And I know it was because of my stutter. Okay. And so I worked for a small plaintiff civil rights firm, which was the greatest first job I could ever have. <clears throat> but then some, I was asked to do presentations. 
you know, you get up in front of 100 people and teach and do presentations. And I don't know, I just did it, right? I thought it was a way to get my name out there. And I wasn't thinking of like my stutter. And then, but I realized the more speeches I've done, the better my stutter gets. Yeah, no question about it. My stutter. And so to your question about avoiding, you got to do the opposite of avoiding. You got to embrace it. The only way out is through it. Yeah. It's like the obstacle is the way, you know, it's that it's the, it, you know, it's that goes back to um, a, a Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism. Oh you know, yeah. You know, I, I, I just thought that book, the daily stoic. And if you know that book, yeah, it's yeah that's by Ryan holiday. You know, there's a, there's a book out there by Ryan holiday. That's called the obstacle is the way. And, huh. and so there's a parable that he uses in that book. And, you know, it's about um, um, Marcus Aurelius and about Stoicism and how Stoicism applies to everyday life. So there's a parable in the book about kind of, a, you know, a, a Chinese emperor um, put a massive stone in the road. And he was trying to teach his villagers, you know, that the obstacle is the way. So his uh, villagers would try to go around it. They would try to you know, kind of go over it until one villager said, well, they're going to go through it. And they dug under it. And there was a pot of gold under there. You know, like when you dug under, mm. when you try to go through the obstacle, yeah, rather than avoid the obstacle, that's where the pot of gold was. Mm. And so, and, and that, par- I'm, I'm probably butchering a parable, but that parable is in it in that book. And so stuttering, I think it's a great example that the obstacle is the way. Yeah, because because the the anticipation of stuttering is actually worse than the stutter. Yeah. The, and the anticipation and the anxiety, fear that pushes you back and the anxiety. I think the anxiety about stuttering causes stuttering. Oh, as much as no any. doubt. No question about it. It's the uh, stuttering lens, yeah. as Chris Anderson yeah. talks about. We see yeah. the world through this lens. And so when you can, when you can break the lens, and be in the moment and break through it. Um, what what advice? I want to be. I want to honor some time here. Yeah, sure. I know you're a high priced uh, litigator. Uh, so well, I'll I'll send you my bill after this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have for parents who want to help their children who stutter? Don't, don't know let how. them avoid. Don't let them avoid. Right. Don't. You know. Don't let them avoid. I let them go through it. Don't the hardest. I think the hardest, the most important thing to do as a parent is to let your child go through adversity and resolve it on their own because they don't have confidence that they can tackle adversity. Yeah. The hardest thing to do as a parent is to watch your child go through adversity and Uh, step in. So painful. You know, I've, I've, I have two boys who stutter. Yeah. Um, You know, my young son who stutters. And the, the and because I know the pain and the yeah. experience is like amplified for me. Yeah. Um, and you see it and, it, and it, you can feel their pain. Yeah. You know, you can feel, you can like like uh, my girls. I have two girls, and but my girls don't stutter. But if I had a son who stuttered, you know, because boys stutter more than girls. If I had a son who stuttered, it would be painful. It'd be painful, probably more painful for me than it would be for him. Um, but you got it. I'm trying to figure out the right way. Like my father stuttered, my brother stuttered. My father never complained about stutter to me. Never. Did you so guys talk not, about it? Did you guys talk never, about it? Never. Never talked about it. And I just kind of watched him, and he was in sales. And I kind of watched him plow through things he was told you know he reached you know my dad didn't go to college so but he was doing very well as an executive at a company and he reached a certain point where they said well you're you're not going to go any further because you're stuttering and so um and i just kind of saw but i knew that from my mom not from talking to my dad you know, he was kind of stoic about it. So it was a good example for me 
just see my dad just kind of plow through it. That's what you got to do. If the obstacles the way, you got to plow through it. That is a great um, yeah. phrase you just said. I, I wrote down the book, The Obstacle is the Way. Who's it by again? What's the name? Um, Ryan Holiday. Okay, Ryan Holiday. And, and so, you know, Brian, I think parents who don't stutter, who have kids who stutter, have the hardest time dealing with it. Yeah. And I've seen it when I've done Joe's clinics. When I've spoken to parents, I've given presentations for Dr. Joe. I see the pain in their eyes. And I see, they're like, what do I do to help my kid? You know, what do I do? And the first instinct as a parent is going to want to shield your kid and protect your kid. But I always kind of believed, and I think this might help, it might not, that because I stuttered, I was destined for greatness and something else. Totally. Do you know totally. what I'm saying? And oh, I do. I do. I don't know okay. if that sounds cocky or no. I'm or special. Not, You're special. Because because I'm not a cocky person. I just thought that if I'm going through this, there has to be a yin to that yang. No, if you know what I mean. No and, question about it, Dave. And so, you know, if my kids stuttered, I would try to say stutter makes you a badass. Stuttering is building grit. You know, we've talked about grit on other sessions and about Angela Duckworth's book on grit. Uh, it's tremendous. And, and about how the most, you know, her study at the University of Pennsylvania is that the most important ingredient for success is, you know, she's proven scientifically grit, which is perseverance in the pursuit of long-term goals. And so, um, it is very much when you stutter, that makes you a gritty person. Sure does. Just like, just just like, what was the title of that book that that you've been talking about with Anderson? Oh, Every Waking Moment. Okay. Chris Anderson, his new okay. book. On so think about that title, Every Waking Moment. Okay, as a stutter, that's a telling title because you are thinking about it every waking moment. You're dealing with it. It it, it encompasses your whole life. It encompasses your crazy. And so think about that in terms of grit. Right. Think about that in terms of your have a long-term goal is to I'm gonna say talk normal, because there is no normal, but is to talk without stuttering. And that's something that you're fighting every single day. So I, so I try to tell kids when I talk to kids, this stuttering makes you gritty, naturally gritty, because you're fighting adversity every single day of your life. <laughs> every moment, every day, every interaction. Every waking moment, every waking moment, just like Chris Anderson says, you are fighting, you're fighting against something. Anybody who is not, anybody who, Anybody who stutters should, who has not read that book, needs to put that on their top list. His his almost slow motion um, reveal of what it means to be a person who stutters in every waking moment is literally incredible. And it, you know, transferred for me. And so I'm, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm trying to do is to to do a little more openly stuttering because I, I don't avoid any situations like I did as a kid now. I'm pretty yeah. bold, but I do avoid words. I do skip around words because yeah. I know words that I can say easily and words that I might not. So how to not do that is something that I'm working on. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard. I mean, I still deal with it at work. I mean, uh, not at this firm, but at you know, some of my prior firms, I've had people like make remarks about my stuttering. Um, you know, so it makes you kind of always think if you hear people make comments about your stutter and maybe that's only the tip of the iceberg, maybe there's much more going on underneath that you don't know. That's you know? the explanation. They actually, that's something yeah. they talk about all the time. Yeah. And, and so, cause I've had people say, oh, you're the guy who stutters. And I had a partner say that to me once when I was associate. 
Is that how I'm defined? Huh? Yeah. He goes, oh, you're the guy who stutters. And I said, and I was re really close to saying, yeah, and I'm the guy who's going to kick your ass. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. but that guy ended up being one of my best friends at my prior firm. Oh, that's great. And so uh, I've had people who worked for me without getting into specifics saying, oh, I'm embarrassed by the way you talk. You know, and uh, it's, you know, it's still, it's still there and you still deal with it, but it doesn't hurt me. Those things don't kind of hurt me. They just kind of make me have more of a screw you attitude. Yeah. Like, you know. Oh, I, that's for sure. You know, a phrase I, I want to end with is um, be bold, be brave, be yourself. Yeah. And um, so, so the Nolan Stuttering Foundation uh, um, has, this is the fourth podcast day. We, we're so appreciative of you being here and getting so real. Uh, we're going to have two podcasts a month. Um, so uh, we'll have 24 podcasts in 2023 filled with guests like Dave who have a journey to share uh, for young people who are who are springboarding to the next level. You can find us on Apple and Spotify, anywhere where you can get a podcast. Hey, Dave. Oh, Dave, by the way, is, is joining the board of the Nolan Stuttering Foundation, uh, which is getting getting formed in 2023. Uh, we are a nonprofit C corporation. Um, we're about, about, I guess, five months old. So yeah. um, we can do great things together, Dave. Absolutely. It's an honor for me to do that. I so much appreciate you asking me to, 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 to join. So listen to this podcast on January 11th. Great. Thanks, thanks Dave. Hey, um, happy holidays, my friend. It's always good seeing you. Nolan Stuttering Foundations, or NSF's, primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming design to help them share and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenge they experience. NSF helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.